cyberpunk, 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 oh, cyber, cyberpunk, 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 oh, cyber, cyberpunk. It's a cyberpunk special in the middle of the week. It's a cyberpunk special. It's that thing that you see. It's a cyberpunk special. He, he really knows the most, and it's a cyberpunk special. Dustin is your host. He was released from the Friday show by another fella that you just might know. It's Anthony on the Monday Madness. Don't be sad and filled with sadness. Be glad with gladness, and watch out for Agnes. It's a cyberpunk special in the middle of the week. <laughs> Oh heavens! What a what a uh, uh, glorious soundtrack! Welcome back to the Culture Jack podcast. You are here with Dustin, and if it's a midweek special and it's looking or sounding a little bit different than our normal midweek special, well, that's because I'm here alone. Anthony has he's freed me from the cage that he keeps me in for the Friday show and allowed me to take control for this week. Um, and if I do a good job, I'll get a, a treat, a pat on the head, and maybe in a successive week be allowed out again to do another one of these. But I'm I'm here to talk about Cyberpunk 2077, the new game that was released. And I'm doing it here as opposed to on the Friday show because, because I felt like this is a it's a a bigger topic than just to be added as a footnote or a side note in a normal weekly culture jack show and so we are still going to have the regular midweek specials with Anthony and myself where we banter about those things that we care about appreciate and enjoy but we are going to alternate with um other content, other specials like this. And this is going to be my first of uh, many cyberpunk specials. Maybe not many. Maybe it's only going to be a couple uh, if some of the rumors and things I'm hearing about this game are to be believed. But for these specials, I'm going to take you by the hand and kind of walk you through my experience with Cyberpunk 2077. And to that end, regretfully, I must inform you that this particular series is going to have some spoilers in it. Now, I'm not done with the game, and so I'll be discussing some of the things that I've done, some of the decisions that my character has made through the game. And so I think these episodes will be more geared to maybe someone who who is playing the game as well. So if you're playing along and you want to compare your progress and your interactions with characters and your outcomes, maybe your character builds with what I'm doing, I think this is a great place for you to start or or a great place for you to jump in, join the conversation. Let me know what your characters, uh, what your characters are doing through it. So I guess with that, we'll just, we'll just kind of kick it off with how I'm enjoying the game, how the hype the very obvious hype that Anthony and I had for the game before the game came out is measuring up to the actual game. And so uh, we talked about it on the show that we did together, but sometimes when you hold a, a upcoming game or movie in such high regard, it is, it's difficult not to put it up on a on a pedestal, not to uh, idolize any any one particular component of it or the game itself in in and hold it in such regard that you think that it's going to be anything except the biggest thing in all of history and an astounding success. And so it's sometimes kind of hard to reconcile that fact with you know maybe it's not. And we mentioned it in the podcast that. 
oftentimes we build these things up so much in our mind that they don't have an opportunity to succeed, at least to the level that we have, we've placed them at. And, and with that being said, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily hold up to what I thought it was going to be. It is still a very fun game. It is still the RPG that I think that I needed because the Fallout, the Fallout games, the last couple of them anyway, Fallout 4 and Fallout 76, which admittedly I didn't play, but if anything, at the very best, it's a reskin of Fallout 4. They didn't provide the, the type of immersive experience that Cyberpunk 2077 does. And I think part of that reason is because Cyberpunk is all in first person. So you have no choice but to get inside the character's head because that's where you play most of the game through. And I think that was a smart choice. Uh, I, I think it's also the RPG that I needed because I can play it like I want. There are enough options, at least dialogue options, when going through the different scenarios, the different scenes, to to, to keep it engaging, to keep it exclusive to my experience. I, I don't think Anthony and I are going to pick the same the same options in each one of these encounters. And so that that keeps it unique and I think it makes it feel like more my own my own game. Like we said in that other podcast, I'm not playing Cyberpunk 2077 to play a driving simulator. I'm not playing it to necessarily play a a first person shooter although those elements are, are better than I expected they would be, I'm playing it to play an RPG. So if I get to design a character, I get to upgrade their stats, I get to branch off of skill trees, which a lot of games have now, to be honest. There's Assassin's Creed games that have skill trees in them, so it's not something unique to Cyberpunk. And I think those elements that I needed the most, a unique interaction experience with characters and encounters, and a customizable skill tree, perk tree that allows me to play the game the way I want is I, I think just what I was looking for. So while it may not have stood up to the lofty impossible standards that Anthony and I put out for it originally, it is uh, still a game. I have no regret in buying. I have no gamer, no buyer's remorse for, for this game. So moving on from there, where am I? In the game, how far have I gotten along? Am I the one that can make these kinds of judgments on the game based on the amount that I have done so far? And I think I, I have. I've completed the prologue. I mean, that's something, right? I'm in Act One now. So let's see what's happened. This is where the spoilers are going to come in. So if you are trying to avoid spoiling yourself on this game, or, you know, maybe you want to listen to some spoilers because maybe you've been turned off by all the negativity surrounding it. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in this episode as well. But act uh, the prologue. So you start, uh, in my case, I started uh, going down the corpo life path. And you can pick one of three life paths. And you pick the corpo, the nomad, or the street kid. And I think... Uh, it's a, it's a little bit deceptive when you pick a life path because you think there are going this is going to be three separate games and the choices that you make are going to be reflective of the the life path that you take and so you'll need to play the game at least three times but what i'm guessing because i was the corpo and i got called in the, the boss's office and he was like look i need you to basically murder this business rival of mine and I'll pay you for it. I'm like, cool, boss, whatever you need. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a go-getter. You know, what can I say? I move up the corporate ladder, and I do so not because I'm a brown noser, but because I, you know, I I, I, I keep my nose to the grindstone, and my, I do my job, even if that is, you know, murdering uh, someone else, else within the organization. And so I accept this job from this guy, and it, what's cool about the game is because as I'm walking back through the hall after I've just decided to become an assassin and go meet my compatriot, Mr. Jackie Wells, 
a guy stops me in the hallway and he says, Hey man, I, I'm, I'm sorry. The, those, those files are late, but I sent them to your, your email. And I was like, okay, don't let it happen again, dude. Cause I'm, apparently I'm, I'm mid management in this, in this corporate world. And so instead of following my objective to go meet with Jackie and get this woman murdered, I instead head to my office and <laughs> I get on the computer and I look at the emails that the guy sent me and I, I, I'm checking out his work and then I was able to get on the web and I'm scrolling through the different, the, the web, uh, the websites of night, night city. And I'm looking at different emails and I, and it struck me because here I am playing this fantastic futuristic game. And it's like, I'm in any other corporate atmosphere in the world. All of a sudden I'm checking email and, uh, and, and checking over this, this character's work. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. Get off the computer. So I get off the computer and I go meet Jackie. I take a limo to a, a, a bar and hop out. Jackie and I, you know, we talk and he's like, yeah, sure, I'll do it. But do you know what's right for you? And it's not your conscience. And I'm like, yeah, but I got to do it. And then these suits come up from Arasaka and they come up and they're like, hey, everything's been revoked. You're broke. And they they chip me and I see my bank account go down to zero. And I'm like, what the hell? This is ridiculous. And then I get dizzy and tip over. And then me and Jackie apparently have a wonderful friendship uh, that's built through a montage. After that, I get a montage of Jackie and I going on these adventures, uh, fighting these uh, other gangs and really making a name for ourselves in the streets. And then it, it turns out that Jackie and I have been friends for a long time. And that's where the game starts with us doing other, other jobs. Now, this is where the game's kind of deceptive because I feel like no matter what life path I had chosen, if I chose nomad, I would do a couple things as a nomad, meet up with Jackie, and then I'd get a montage and then start the game in the same spot. If I chose street kid, I'd probably start the game somewhere in Night City, do some things, meet up with Jackie, have a montage, and start in the same spot. And so it, it doesn't feel unique. Now, I will say there are different options based on me being a corpo talking to people, I have different, different dialogue options and I can move through the dialogue tree in a different way. And so that's one way to make, make my experience unique from Anthony's and anyone else's, well, not anyone else's because, you know, millions of people are playing this 13 million copies sold despite everything. And many of those are going to be refunded and not many of them, some of them. I don't know how many I am not uh, in everyone's house. I'm just in your house right now. I'm in your ear. Thank you for having me. It's very comfy in here. <laughs> and, and so that's one way that you can play the game as a, as a, at least one of these three unique, unique areas. And it gives you those, those different options. So I'm with Jackie. I uh, eventually get enough street cred. I can't remember what I did. What did I do? I did some kind of mission where I had to impress a man named Dexter Deshawn. He's uh, a fixer in Night City. And so Dexter Deshawn, he sends me to, I have to get this drone. Maybe I got it before Dexter. I got the drone. Anyway, I get this drone and our plans are to go infiltrate the Arasaka building and uh, get this special, special thing, the, the package, the treasure, the unique object that the, the Arasaka executive is holding up in his ivory tower. But before I do that, I have to get some information on where it is in his apartment. So I uh, go meet, I think her name is Judy. She's a, a brain dance expert. Now, brain dancing is the kind of digital detective Arkham Asylum feature that's in the game that you explore other people's memories. And uh, she teaches me how to brain dance. And then we go into uh, her compatriot, our compatriot, I guess, Evelyn Parker who had a sexual rendezvous with this corporate executive and we searched through her memories to find to find this thing in the apartment where it is and so we find it 
then we take this the spider bot that we got from the other mission. Oh, by the way, on that other mission, there was a a maybe mid-level boss. He had more more health than the goons, but his name was Brick, and I I killed the man because he was threatening to make me pay again for a thing that I'd already paid for. And if there's one thing about V from Cyberpunk 2077 is he does not pay twice and he does not have the patience for a renegotiation. So anyway, I killed this man and uh, I was looking online and apparently there's a way that you can resolve that situation without killing Brick and Brick can become a resource or an ally or at least have other interactions with Brick, maybe even missions with him later. So right on the onset, I already found another side path that I could take. And one of the main criticisms that I've heard about this game is that there are like five or six reported endings. And people are like, well, you know, not every decision that you make in the game has a consequence to the main to the main story ending. And that may be true, but already just in this first couple missions, I have found another branching storyline about how a small thing could have played out differently. At one point I was heading back to my apartment in these they're like these mega buildings like you see in um uh Dredge, Dredge, Dread. <laughs> You know the movie Dread? If it was a movie called Dredge, it would be about uh, uh, gold mining operations, and it would be a lot less exciting and be out in the woods, so it would be completely the opposite because these are all mega cities. Anyway, this big, huge apartment complex that's like basically a city inside of a building, and you go up into it, and as I'm on my way to the apartment, there's a couple police standing outside of a door and they're talking and I'm like, hey guys, what's going on? Maybe I can help. Apparently one of their officer buddies is inside. He's depressed and you have a bunch of different dialogue options. And eventually after a few missions, I was able to get him to open the door and then I was able to get him to open up to me. And he was depressed. He was sad. His partner had died and his, uh, his buddy cop on the force was just telling him to buck up champ and he wasn't actually respecting the PTSD or the obvious PTSD that this fella had. And so I told the guy, I said, Hey man, you're a dick. What are you doing? What are you doing to this guy? And he said, I'll be a little easier on him. And then it resolved the resolved the thing. I don't know if there were other resolutions to that. I don't know if the guy would never open up the door. If I told him to buck up himself and then his police officer buddy would be like, yeah, he needs to stop being a weenie. And it would, it would play out completely differently. I don't know, but it seems like there was another branching path that I could have gone on. So anyway, um, Dexter Deshaun, Evelyn Barker. Oh, and then Evelyn, after we figure out where the thing is in, I I can't remember this guy's name. He's the CEO of the Arasaka Corporation. Anyway, uh, she comes to me and she's like, hey, Dexter Deshaun, we should cut him out. We should split the, split the, the riches 50 50 on this thing and i'm like whoa don't cut him out that's crazy are you you're gonna get me killed my reputation's gonna suffer and falter and she's like no one needs to know later you have an option to rat out evelyn barker before the big mission to arasaka tower well not arasaka tower uh kenoshi plaza i think it's kenoshi plaza is that a diehard reference No, that's something else. Regardless, I ratted Evelyn out. I said, yeah, there's one more thing, Dexter Deshaun. Evelyn wanted to betray you. And I said, fuck that woman. You're you're the guy. Anyway, I said, there's no way I'm betraying Dexter Deshaun. And he said, thank you for that information. And I thought, well, that information... Um, that was a, a, maybe a potential path that could have gone off there. So we go to Kenoshi Plaza, we get into a room, we break, we break in, we we use false IDs, uh, Jackie Wells and myself. And Jackie is a, a, an amazingly endearing character as well, which makes it all the more, all the more sad after he, after he dies in the prologue. Unfortunately, you get his motorcycle later from his mother. So that's kind of cool. 
anyway, we get into the plaza, fake IDs, get to our hotel room, unbox this spider drone and shoot it through the vents so we can get access to the VIP lounge, which we do. We get up there and we find the thing. It's a microchip. Well, holy cow, the CEO's coming to his room. We got to hide quick. We do it. We're hidden. And then his dad comes into the room as well. And I think his name is Sor- Sorobu? Uh, Saboro? Regardless, his father is not, not happy with how his son's been running the company. His son strangles him to death, witnessed by his number one bodyguard, Takamura. And we're witness to it as well. And we go, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. We got to get out of here. This is crazy. We fight our way out of the building, not without Jackie getting uh, fatally shot. And we get picked up by a computer AI driven vehicle, the same one that we drove to the place. And we get out of there. Jackie has put this chip that we found into his neck. Because the the case got damaged as we fell down a, a duct or off the roof. We fell off the roof into like a, a boiler building. And so he puts this thing into his neck. We're driving off and he's dying. He's like, you got to take it. And he takes it out of his neck and I put it into my neck and he dies. And the, I tell the car, I say, hey, man, help us out. You know, the car says, no, we got a mission. And I say, you got to help us out. He's my best friend. Why are you doing this to me? And Jackie, Jackie dies or he seemingly dies. I don't think I ever saw him die. I get back to Dexter Deshaun. I'm like, I got the thing. It's here in my neck. What you want me to do with it? And he's like, you screwed up, man. They're after us now. They're going to want someone to, to pin this on. I got to, I got to murderize you. So he goes to murderize me, takes me to a landfill, putting me down. And then I'm saved by Takamura who kills Dexter Deshaun. And he's driving off. We get chased by these cyber psychos, and I'm I'm putting bullets into him, and he uh, he ends up crashing. Takes me to a Ripper dock, and gets me gets me better. The Ripper dock says, "I got some bad news, man. You got this guy Johnny Silverhand in your body." I'm like, "What? Oh no!" Before that, I'm like coming in and out of consciousness, and then I replay this time as Johnny Silverhand, where I commit a terrorist act on Arasaka and then the Arasaka bigwigs turn Johnny into a, like they, they take his consciousness out, put it into this chip to, I guess maybe torture him forever. I don't know. It hasn't been made very clear yet, but anyway, that's the chip that we got. And now the Ripper doc Vic, who's a like a very nice guy. And by the way, I already paid him back for those people that are wondering. And Vic says to me he says sorry man this chip is another person and i can't take it out or you will die and since i have to leave it in eventually his consciousness is going to take over your consciousness and that's where connie connie (laughs) keanu reeves comes in as johnny silverhand he says hey kid I'm going to kill myself because I don't like this. And he's like, I changed my mind. I like this. I'm going to take you over. And he just kind of pops in and out of the story. And then that's the prologue. That's where we're at. That's uh, Takamura wants to talk to me, but I've been doing side quests. And so I've been, I've been busy. I've been too busy for Takamura. Um, And I haven't been doing side quests because they're side quests and they're gigs and gigs are the ones to just like make a little more money. And then I think the side quests have a little bit more meat to them. Uh, but regardless, I'm really enjoying the story. I'm enjoying it with uh, Johnny Silverhand popping in and out of existence. He kind of statics in as a like a digital, I guess just a digital being that's kind of coming in and out of my consciousness. And he's always, he's like sitting on something or he's leaning on something or he's walking. He's making fun of someone. Uh, yeah, so that's really, really cool. I'm really interested to see it presently. I don't care for Johnny Silverhand. Like I'm not a big fan of him. I'm a big fan of uh, Keanu Reeves. And I I think it, it's really cool that I'm, you know, I've got him buried in my consciousness, but I don't like the idea that my character is going to die to this other consciousness. And It'll be interesting to see if I have a if I have a choice in it, because like I said, there's like five or six endings from what I've heard. And 
if I have the option, or if I had the option right now, I would choose to disable Johnny Silverhand and then continue living myself. But I don't know, you know, how the, the characters arcs are going to change my mind and maybe I'll become more sympathetic to Johnny Silverhand. I'm not sure entirely. So I've been doing side quests. Side quests are, you know, there's not a lot of variance in them. You know, it's usually you see a, a blinking blue mark. Well, those aren't really side quests. Those are just kind of activities you can do throughout town. And there's assaults, there's crimes that are being committed. And it's funny, I've I've got this kind of back and forth. If I see an assault going on, I, I step in and I murderize all the thugs. I get the experience, I steal their weapons, and I get the street cred for it. If I see some thugs that are breaking into a vending machine, hey man, Night City's a it's a tough place to live. Uh, you got to do what you got to do. So I leave them I leave them alone. And it's funny because that's not that's not anything in like inherently designed in the game. You're not opening up a dialogue tree. You're not you're not uh, being tasked with or or without doing a certain thing. It's just a decision that I have made as that character. And so I think that is a good indication of what a good role-playing game is. It lets you play that character that how you how you want. And this isn't going to be my my last playthrough, so I might play the 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 game a little bit different differently next time. I might murder everybody. I don't I don't know what it is. Uh I've gotten into a, a couple of regular side quests and and so far they haven't been No, I guess they were still just gigs, but I'm I'm going around, I'm rescuing people. Uh, most of the time, it's like go to a building or an area and 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 get this person out who has been captured or who, uh, you know, has committed some heinous, heinous thing. And I will say stealth is not easy for me. I started going to these side missions, going to the, the assaults that I saw on the side of the road, just... Johnny Akimbo, guns a blazing. I would just go in and shoot, 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 and then you know pick up the exclamation mark to complete the mission. But I started doing a little bit uh, more stealthy maneuvers. Like you can hack into different things, and that's it's amazing. I heard someone else describe it as like your magic attacks. But you hack into cameras. You can make cameras friendly to you, so they don't alarm you. But moreover, ping your enemies when they come come through and I found out the stealth option it's not as fast obviously as going in there and just shooting everyone immediately but it's kind of fun it's kind of fun you because you you have to really just think out your approach you have to adjust the cameras that you want to adjust get into them find the bad guys you can ping the bad guys if you want so you know where they are they appear in like a red overlay throughout the building um, and then you can, you can non-lethally kill them with a stranglehold, non-lethally kill them. What am I, what am I saying? Oh my God. You can, <laughs> you can kill them or use a non-lethal approach where you just kind of knock them out and then shove their bodies into a barrel. Um, alternatively, you can use your spells. I've seen some cool things on the internet where people are, uh, specking their characters in a certain way where, you can spec a double jump into the game. Uh, you can spec a uh, speed incre- increase and a, a increased jump height. And so this game really reminds me of Fallout. But there is an increased sense of verticality. Like you can climb things. You can get on top of buildings. And it's kind of hard for a minute to wrap your head around that because... It's just not the normal way that you would play one of these games, but it's a, it's a perfectly and wonderfully viable option. And I think there was even a side quest I was doing. There was a police officer who was getting a little too close to her corrupt police buddy. So I went to go have a conversation with her, um, that through my interaction with her turned violent because she just wouldn't give up the ghost and, and scrap the case she was working on. So 
Well, she pulled the gun on me, actually. But I went I went to her apartment, and it was a locked door. And I was like, oh, shoot, I must not. Because there's different ways you can get in locked doors. You can have enough strength to pry open the door. Or you can have enough points specced in a technical or intelligence uh, attribute, which would then allow you to kind of hack open the door and use a technical way in. I did not have either. It said I was deficient in both categories. And so I was like, oh, well, I guess I have to do this mission later. But I went down the stairs and I found an apartment downstairs that was open. And so I went in there and sure enough, there was a balcony that I could I could crawl out from there. And then I could go up, a not a fire escape, but a, up onto a different balcony and then jump and grab on. And I got into the apartment that way where we had our confrontation and her, her eventual uh, demise, rest in peace, Miss Police Officer. You were doing the right thing, but my character cannot abide. He's got a job to do. So it's cool that, and it's it's good game design too, especially for a game that is open world. And I realize I'm gushing here, and there's there's problems with the game, and don't think that it's all sunshine and roses because it's not. But it is a good game that makes you think in different ways that you might you might have. Uh, otherwise, I've gone on about the side quests too. Good side quests, uh, they're keeping me entertained. And even if it is just kind of a run and gun combat situation where I have to go in and murderize everybody, I have found that those are engaging in their own in their own way to kind of keep my attention and and maybe in a in a way that other games would not have. Especially because I go in, I get a whole new set of guns from the from the crooks, and then I can sell the guns, I can disassemble the guns for crafting materials. Oh, by the way, if you're playing this game and you haven't already figured it out, you craft ammo. Because I went to a couple stores, I was looking for ammo, I was all out of rifle ammo, and the way that you do it is you go into your menu, you go over to crafting, and you go down to the bottom, and you uh, you craft your your ammunition so so do that if you're if you need rifle shotgun pistol or sniper ammo so character customization <laughs> uh we we talked about it when we talked about our hype for cyberpunk uh when i was blowing up the online meme that was talking about your character's genitalia and and what i'd hoped for for genit and the the genitalia customization is it's really minimal to what I thought. I thought you were going to have be able to have a cool cyber penis that's maybe like a octopus's arm or something, you know, something weird like that. But it's just, you know, standard schlong, uh, regular or big. And then that's it. And then you could pick vagina as well if you want. Um, your character can be uh, a, a male appearing or female appearing, and then you can switch the voices, and so you can have a male who sounds female, a female who sounds male. You can have a female body with a penis or a male body without, um, but nothing, nothing too, like, futuristic, I guess. You cannot install a jackhammer between your legs. I mean, you could call it <laughs> you could call it the jackhammer if you want, but you can't you can't install an actual jackhammer uh, there. Then you, you know you do the regular stuff: the hair, the eyes, the nose, the the mouth, and you can you can really you can get in depth just like any other character creator on you know brow depth, nose width, chin length, that sort of thing. But like I was telling Anthony. I, I didn't mess with that stuff too much. He looks like a regular V. I put a mohawk on him, gave him a big old schlong, and then sent him on his way. And that's funny, too, because if you choose one of the genitalia options, there's also a underpants option that you can choose where you equip underwear on the character, and then that's that's it. You don't have to be a pervert like like I am. But you whenever you go in the menu... And you remove all of his armor, all of his equipment. Uh, he's naked. <laughs> so uh, 
don't forget to put pants back on them because you'll be running around naked. And I haven't done that yet, but that could, if it if it doesn't cause interesting interactions from my fellow citizens of Night Night City, I'm gonna be a little upset because it should. Ah, uh, but don't forget to put pants on your on your character. Uh, what else with the character creation? I guess guess that's it. Then you get to put stats in. You know, your strength, your agility, your intelligence, your, wait, one of them's body, one of them's intelligence, one of them, I think is agility, maybe? I'm, I'm trying to picture it in my mind's eye. There's five of them. There's also a sixth one, which is, a, it's bottom middle, but when you go over, it's got like a static effect on it. So I'm not sure what that is yet, if that is a new stat that's going to be unlocked later. Or if that's just like, maybe that's just Johnny himself in my character becoming, well, he's already sentient, uh, but becoming, you know, the, the primary host of this body or the primary operator of this body, I, I guess I should say. Any, anywho, uh, so that was my character build. I think I spec'd him high in intelligence and high in body because the way that I like to play these games, um, is I like to collect everything, ashtrays, I like to collect uh, fans, playing cards, vinyl records, all the junk that you then can that you then can sell. But when it comes to Fallout, when it comes to Skyrim, when it comes to apparently Cyberpunk 2077, I am a hoarder. And so I like to keep all of the things. And so I put more stats in body so I could increase the carry weight uh, that, that my character could carry before becoming encumbered. Because if you carry too much, he will become encumbered and he will uh, slow down his movement a lot. And then as I'm leveling up, I'm going into the intelligence attribute and I'm going uh, into the quick hacking perks category because I am enjoying kind of the quick hacking. You, you press uh, your front bumper uh, your left bumper, and it will put you in kind of a slow motion, and you'll have a, a time to decide on the the different demons. Uh, they're called demons, like uh, D A E M O N S, uh, that you can you can cast on these on these unsuspecting thugs and victims. Uh, so I, I'm specking that way right now, and I knew that my first playthrough would be a little bit incomplete. I guess would be the word for it because I don't know what all is in this skill tree or what all I need to do. Oh, cool is the other attribute that you can be. That's kind of your stealth option, um, you know, backstabbing option there. So I don't know exactly what all of the perks are yet. And so this playthrough is going to be a little bit handicapped as I kind of figure that out for myself. I could get a guide online. I have done enough research online, but I'm kind of going through just selecting what looks cool, what sounds cool, and uh, and yeah, the gun the gunplay in the game is like I said better than I expected. It when you when you boot up the game and you start wielding these guns, it's very sensitive. It seems like my character's his reticle it whips around on a on a dime and makes me pass over the bad guy eight times before I before I get him but you can adjust all that you can adjust the uh, character the aiming the dead zone all that stuff but once you get once you get all that adjusted it it feels a lot better and there's different weapon classes that you can have like I said you got the rifle you got the pistol you got the shotgun and you've got the sniper. Uh, I would suggest finding a sniper rifle as soon as you can. Those are a lot of fun, and they feel really good too. And all of the guns have unique unique animations for the reloads. I mean, there's different types of shotguns, and so you're going to reload one shotgun one way and another one another way, but they also have special attributes. Like one, you might be able to charge up the shot, and another, you might have bullets that ricochet, and then a pistol that you might have... Uh, smart bullets on that kind of they just have a box that if your your target is in the box it'll paint them and just kind of zip around and shoot them that way so that's really really neat as well I like the gunplay more than I thought I would 
again, gunplay though is not my my primary. Uh, I guess my my primary deciding factor for whether this game is good or not. It's it's the interaction, it's the choice that your character has, and then it's going to be the story as well. And like I said, I like the story so far. I'm interested to see where it goes. The city in this game is beautiful. Like it is so cool. The the streets are are moderately populated and if I could give one detractant to the game is I, I thought there would be more interaction with just the regular, everyday, NPC-going people of Night City. I thought that they would be more unique. Uh, they're all very, very samey. Even when they're not bugging out, they're all just... You talk to any of them, they're like, hey, get out of here. Get out of my face. And then that's that's kind of it. Their animations are kind of restricted to... Uh, you know, the one or two that that particular character model is set with. I don't know. It's not bad. It just, I don't think it makes it feel as full as it could be. Uh, but otherwise the city is, is great. I've caught myself driving around and just kind of looking up and looking at all that is going on with the billboards and the different skyscrapers and the, the, the cars, you know, going down. The, it just, it looks cool. Oh, and uh, just in case you didn't realize, I am playing on a Series X and sometimes on a Series S Xbox console. So uh, I understand that the uh, PlayStation 4 folks and the Xbox One folks, especially like the base models, are not having the best time. They don't feel it's the most beautiful game uh, around or the most beautiful city. But right now, on the series Xboxes that I'm playing on, it looks very, very good. And so I think that's kind of where I'm sitting with my experience with the game so far. A lot of people have been experiencing a lot of bugs. Fortunately, with my playthroughs, there hasn't been anything that is too terribly game-breaking for me. Um, the The first nightclub that I visited, there was a woman at a table who had her back to the table and was just doing the T-pose, had her arms outstretched to the side and was not doing any. There's been a couple times where NPCs were talking on a, talking on a phone and the phone, after they left... And started walking around just stayed where it was in the air. So it's just kind of a, a spectral experience with a phone that floated in midair for no reason. And the same thing has happened to bad guys with their guns. I say bad guys, but really everyone's just trying to survive in Night City, myself included. And so maybe they think I'm the bad guy, which I could be, which I very well could be. Um, so other than that, though, I haven't experienced many, but, oh, there was a couple other things, uh, a menu option, or maybe it was a, a mission tracker got stuck on the screen. And so it was like right in the middle of the screen after I'd completed a mission or something. And it just stayed there and was just kind of chilling in the way I did something to reset it. I went to either the pause menu or my my status uh, UI and, and dinked around in there or I reloaded my save or something and I got rid of that and that was fine. Um, the other one that I had that's not like game breaking but it's really frustrating. You have three weapon slots that you can put your guns into or your knives or katanas or pipe wrenches or whatever you have. I heard there was a dildo you could find in the game that does the most damage of the game. Oh, I got to talk about the outfits, but one second. So uh, the three slots that you put your weapons into, I uh, pulled out my sniper rifle, uh, my Nekomata sniper rifle. Highly recommended you get one of these things early on. And I went to pick off one of these thugs. And when I did, it didn't fire. I was like, what the heck? And I took it out of the out of the scope mode, tried to hip fire it, nothing. So I switched to another gun. I did the mission and ah uh, 
how did I, how did I get that gun to work? Cause it didn't work for a long time. And I went around the city just trying to, trying to pop one off and I couldn't, I think I had to go into the menu. I had to assign a different gun. I had to fire the different gun, reload the different gun, switch the gun back out for the sniper rifle. And then it worked. And it did that to me one other time with one of my shotguns that I was using. Um, so very frustrating. And yes, I had ammo. I know I told you about my <laughs> my ammo kind of confusion, but I had ammo. And so that was those are basically the bugs that I've had. I know I've seen the internet videos of people T posing all over the place. I've seen I've seen uh, enemies who have gotten their heads blasted off walking around and be like, I'll find you, punk. Show yourself. But they were they were already dead. They just didn't know it yet. Like a chicken. Like a chicken when they're butchered. Anyway, uh, I've seen one of the really funny ones. I, I saw a uh, player was driving their car around the corner and they hit a civilian who then seemed to grab their... <laughs> grab their car and body slam it into the into the road and then there's all the pixelated stuff that on the especially xbox one and playstation 4 where they they load in the character textures way late you walk up to a person their face is gone and then it loads in their jacket then it loads in their face then it loads in their arms and their hat then finally they're a, a fully rendered character and I was talking about it with Anthony off the podcast. We were talking about, you know, this this game is not, this is not even the Xbox Series X. This is not the next gen version of the game. This is the previous generation version. And so you have to wonder, you have to be curious. Is this game, because they decided to release it on the last generation of consoles, as well as the current generation of consoles, when they developed it, are those old generations holding back what the game could have been? Had they specced, had they optimized for the Series X and the PlayStation 5 and the PC, which I guess the PC is doing very well. The PC version of it is beautiful. A lot of people uh, singing its praises. There was a There was a bug that was recently patched out, I think, where if you had a save file on PC that was over 8 megabytes, it would it would crash the game and you wouldn't be able to reload that save. Like that save would be dead. But I, I think they've patched it, patched it by now. Like how much would this game have been improved? And would there be such a controversy around it if there was, if there was not all of these bugs on the Xbox One and PlayStation 4 specifically? I don't know, man. I don't know. Might have been a better release for, I almost said Bethesda, but it's CD Projekt Red. There have been so many bugs on it that a couple of things have happened. Besides the industry just decrying how broken and unplayable this game, and I don't think it's broken and unplayable. It's got some bugs, yes. Should they have released it? when they did probably not am i glad that they released it when they did absolutely i am because now i get to play this game i get to play it when it's broken and buggy and people are complaining about it but i get to go through the story and i get to be there while they build it up to be the best game that i'm sure it will be but i don't think it's broken or unplayable but a lot of people do a lot of people are not are not excited about the way this game was released and to that end, uh, Sony, on the PlayStation side of things, are no longer selling the game on their uh, on their consoles uh, digitally. It's it's been removed from the PlayStation Store. That's insane. That's insane for any game, but that's insane for a game that has been as hyped up as this one. And they are offering refunds now. The refunds, I. I can't remember what I heard, but it was, I think the refunds were going to be available until a patch comes through. Um, well, on Microsoft, they are also offering refunds, but they have not removed it from the store. 
they're offering refunds uh, indefinitely at Microsoft. And part of the reason the game came out like this, I'm learning a lot about the video game industry is this kind of drama unfolds. But part of the reason was when CD Projekt Red sent out review copies of the game, they only sent out the PC version. They did not send out the codes for the last generation of consoles. I don't even know if they sent out the one for the, the series uh, generations of consoles. And a lot of things that I'm hearing from people in the industry, they say that when reviewers, when reviewers get a copy, an early access copy of a game, oftentimes the developer will also send them a list of the known bugs, defects, and things that are wrong with the game. And so when a reviewer is reviewing the game, they say, hey, the game is great, but if they were going to write about a bug, they're like, oh, no, they already caught that. They're going to have it patched beforehand. Uh, then the reviewer is kind of putting their personal credibility on the line with the trust of that developer before they go in uh, to reviewing reviewing the game. And so they sent, that, sent out these games um, on the PC, and then they reviewed it, and then... They didn't think it was too weird that the uh, Xbox One and PlayStation 4 versions weren't released yet, but I guess they never got released. And then there's also a, a story where a couple different investors or there's a couple different lawsuits against CD Projekt Red about misleading the public for the game. And a lot of people are like, well, how did it get through Microsoft and Sony's uh, testing. How did the game become, you know, blue check verified that it was going to be an okay game at launch, that it was going to be a playable game at launch? Well, apparently CD Projekt Red like lied to these guys and Sony and Microsoft, shame on them because they gave it the rubber stamp even before it deserved the rubber stamp. And so this, it's like from all angles, from all sides, it, uh, it's kind of a mess. They are putting out patches and fixes. It seems like every time I boot up Cyberpunk 2077, I think there's been five, maybe six patches already, and each of them seem to be about 15 gigabytes. And I know the I know the game isn't over a hundred gigabytes yet, so I know they're just they're replacing whole chunks of the game. Uh but it, it's it's interesting. And I, I don't like to be that guy who's like, hey, you know what? It's buggy. They'll fix it. Whatever. You shouldn't have got it uh, if you if you weren't ready for some bugs. Because it's not right that a game company puts it out with bugs. Why did they do that? We'll talk about that in just a moment. But it's not right that a game company puts it out with bugs. But I'm still having a blast with the game. And it's it's like more and more games are releasing their alpha builds on online for people to get into and play. I think Ark, Ark Survival Evolved was it was in its alpha stage forever on the Xbox store I saw. So part of the reason why this game came out so unplayable, or from what people say are it's unplayable, is I guess there it was a huge crunch there at the end. And yes, they delayed it and delayed it and delayed it. And a lot of people are saying, hey, shame on the gamers for decrying how long the game has been delayed. And I, I fall into that camp too. I said, hey, man, if the game is delayed, the game is delayed, you're going to have a better product at the end. And they think that the developer... Uh, or the publisher caved to the audience and said, oh, we'll get the game out for you because you were so impatient. Well, that's not what happened. The The, the managers, the, the leadership at these studios wanted to get the game out in time for holiday season. You know, Anthony and myself, we talked about what a marvelous success this game would be if they you know, we're coming up against the zero competition of the next gen consoles. There's nothing to compete. I got Immortals Phoenix Rising, but that game is hot garbage. I'll be honest with you. It's terrible. And so it obviously was a decision made by the studio much 
uh, to, to the internal challenges by people working on the game that said, no, it's not ready yet. And by the way, there's also reports of incredible and ridiculous amounts of crunch time to get this game out. And, and that is a story that we see repeated over and over and over again. And I even saw someone online that said, Hey man, why all this outrage over, over a buggy broken game? The outrage should be directed at these people who are holding, uh, are, are kind of gatekeeping the game industry with ridiculous work hours and really, really poor work conditions. So, you know, I'm upset about that too. I do love a good game. It's like, you know, people buy Nike shoes, even though, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're created, they're produced in a, in poor working conditions from underpaid children in China and stuff like that. Like, you know, it's messed up. It's, it's messed up. It's, it's very hunger games. Oh, it's getting creepy. But anyway, it's, it's not the fault of the consumer that the game was released like this. It was a result of the leadership, uh, wanting to get out and sell their game and sell it. They did. Like I said, they made 13 million or they sold 13 million copies of this game. That's a good dang release. And even if, even if half of those are refunded and turned back in, I mean, that's, that's still a good install base for future DLC, which CD project red said they weren't going to be charging for, um, and, th and that's another thing. CD Projekt Red has a, I don't want to say notorious, but I want to say uh, well applauded and historied past of supporting games long after their release. Like The Witcher 3 had a long history of support behind it after it was originally released. And so I guess I, I'm remaining hopeful that a game in a genre that I like that falls in the footsteps of giants like obsidians, fallout, new Vegas, like the Witcher three gets the support that it needs to become the game that I know it can be in, in everyone's eyes, not just my eyes and not just Anthony's eyes, but I think, I think this could be a really popular game though. Now CD project red and cyberpunk 2077 do have quite the uphill battle in order to get there. <laughs> I really like this game. I can't wait to talk to you about it again, but that's all the further I am in the game presently. And so here in a couple weeks, I'll get back to you with another one of these episodes, but that's been your midweek special. I will be back on Friday and then you just, you just have yourself a good little weekend. Wait, until Monday rolls around and Anthony will be back for the Monday Madness show. And uh, and then we've got another special extra episode of the podcast coming to you next Wednesday as well. So stay tuned for that. And just like the net runners and the cyber deck wearers in Cyberpunk 2077, I need you now to interact, 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 internet. <laughs> I kept trying to say internet. It's because I wanted to say interact with the internet. I just said internet. I want you now to interact with the internet and leave us a review on your podcast streamer of choice. Do it on Apple iTunes because the last one that was left, I think was me. Uh, I've disguised myself as Dorsey Ambrose Buchanan. So you can go look at my wonderful comment there. If you need inspiration on how to leave a review, you can look at that one, but that will tell the algorithms that will tell the computer, the, the, the giant bald man behind the mauve curtain uh, that, that we need more ears on this podcast. So you can help us by doing that. Leave a thumbs up, leave a comment. Let us know what you're thinking. Let me know what your cyberpunk 2077 V looks like. What is his build? How big is his dick? <laughs> you can always get in contact with us at culture jacked on Facebook and Twitter. You can also send us an email. If you have a question, a topic idea or anything else that we'd like to see, uh, at culture collective.x2 at gmail.com. <sighs> Enjoy the rest of your hump day, everybody. Let's finish up the week so we can have a great weekend and uh, drink more water. Go to bed early. <laughs> <laughs>
Thank you.